This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Sabah al khair, sabah al full. Welcome to Life Beats. I'm Sally Musa, and we are about to launch into this week with a dynamic duo who are behind the fastest growing media company, changing the narrative of diverse. Millennial women. They were both at the epic Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival last week, speaking and mentoring other startups. Were you there? Did you see them? It was unbelievable. Get ready to meet Leila Nawa, founder and CEO of The Tempest, along with friend of Pulse95, Masha Wakar, the co-founder and COO of The Tempest. Of course, it is one thing to build a successful global company, but of course, that doesn't come without its challenges. These two incredible women are here to share their personal journeys and the major turning points that they have faced in building their platform. That's coming up next on Life Beats. Keep it here on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Hello, hello, welcome to Life Beats. Now, The Tempest is a groundbreaking technology and media company that's aimed at building, amplifying and connecting innovative products and experiences for diverse millennia women. It was launched back in March of 2016 and The Tempest has exploded into the global conversation, reaching millions every month. It is run by diverse millennial women. Millennial women, try getting that out. Millennial women for the world. They are empowering, disrupting, amplifying. This is happening all at once. Leila Rawa, founder and CEO of The Tempest, and Masha Wakar, co founder and CEO. Welcome to Life Beats. Thank you so much for having us. So good to have you both. Good to be back again. We just had a thing about this in the break. Yeah, I, Leila, am an acquaintance, and Michelle is a friend of the show. Best friend. Best, best friend, friend best friend of Pulse 95. That's what happens when you don't you know, live here. Because, <laughs> because uh, uh, listeners, loyal listeners to Pulse 95 will have heard your voice before, Michelle, which is, uh, you know, brilliant on uh, the Morning Majlis. You have been with us on the Morning Majlis, mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing talking about the Tempest. But um, we are, of course, welcoming now because it, it <laughs> has to be said, Layla's waste in the US. So we are actually super lucky to have her here with us in the studio and it's just such a pleasure it's awesome thank you i flew in just for this you did exactly <laughs> you're gracing us with your queenly presence <laughs> or i have no other way of putting it. this is where you play the who run the world soundtrack in the background <laughs> exactly <laughs> where's beyonce when you need her okay um so the tempest for those who are not familiar with the story let's go back and talk about you and your background and kind of how it all started for you and how you started this because you've been doing so much work for years um, all about diversity, all about um, uh, combating stereotypes, particularly when it comes to Muslim women, um, millennial women. So give us a rundown about how it all started for you. Yeah, so I am an immigrant to the United States. Uh, My family is Arab and European, so really grew up, uh, you know, coming of age after uh, the events of 9-11. And as a result, found myself 
really alienated uh, and on the outside when it came to making friends and, and finding people that wanted to hang out with me. And that really affects you as a kid. Uh, most kids do random things. I decided that I would make a vow, <laughs> um, that when I got older, I had the ability to do so, that I would make sure that no woman or girl ever felt left out, censored, or uh, silenced. And so I thought I was going to become a professor um, after you know my mom said I was going to work in the ER. But of course, <laughs> I decided I would be a professor. And I studied psychology in college um, because Human behavior is really interesting. And so after college, um, I worked at Princeton for several years looking at how, um, how what it really means to fit in. What, what, do, what do we all want? And found three things that we all want, community, identity, and belonging. And at the same time, also did research looking at how storytelling actually affects our memories and the decisions that we make. So quite literally, if I were to tell you a story about the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival, Sally, um, then your memory of what happened is going to be changed. It's no longer going to be fully your own memory. Mm. And so that was something that, you know, as a, a Muslim in the United States, I thought, okay, cool, <laughs> I can do something about this. I got into the media space and that really resulted in my launching The Tempest uh, in 2016, really um, thinking, okay, we have all of these women, um, and if you're a woman, you're listening to this, uh, think to um, think to when you read the news or you watch TV or you watch movies, not just here, but also um, Western movies or TV, uh, how many times you actually see yourself or see someone like you or, see, or hear a story that you identify with. And that happens so little. And so we really wanted to change that. Um, and it hasn't come without its fair share of struggles. Uh, but, you know, life life wouldn't be fun if people weren't um, trying to tear you down. <laughs> you're, you're a fighter. There is just no question about it. You are an extraordinary fighter. So you're very used to people tearing you down and you're just climbing back up again even higher, which is extraordinary. Um, and so you've, you ended up building this platform um, that is The Tempest to encourage other women to do the same thing. So what happened? How did how did the tempest happen? The tempest actually happened out of a conversation with one of my friends. We were just so frustrated with the fact that um, women like us were the only things that we were allowed to talk about on Facebook were uh, so women like us, meaning Muslim women uh, at the time, were only allowed to talk about hijab, marriage, and babies. And uh, you know, there's so much more that you can talk about. And uh, I started by writing for the Huffington Post, actually, and uh, writing for different news outlets and found that these outlets just wanted me to talk about three things. Um, what it's like wearing the hijab, <laughs> what it's like being uh, a woman and wearing the hijab in the United States, and what it's like being a Muslim in the United States, which is great. It gives you a little bit of uh, press, <laughs> but it really, it, it doesn't help. And so, you know, our, our in building the Tempest, I... I have a really small goal, and that's world domination. Um, <laughs> no big deal. No yeah. big deal. <laughs> just kind of like, you know, it's something you would just wake up in the morning just having breakfast going, yeah, I think. I feel like world domination today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my parents wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> um, and and so what we really want to do is kind of flood the ecosystem um, with women who are empowered not even sorry I hate the word empowerment and it just came out of my mouth I haven't had any caffeine yet <laughs> so women women who have reclaimed 
the power that they already have mm -hmm. um, and just flood the space with their stories. And what was so exciting is seeing the growth, the fact that it took me six weeks to get one woman to write her story. Um, but now we have over 1500 contributors and my co-founder, Michelle, um, who's a best friend of the show, <laughs> um, actually came in because she discovered an article on Facebook that she read and just kept reading the articles, became a fellow. And yeah, it was it was fascinating because yeah. I was in Saudi over the summer um, and this was right after my junior year. Right. So. I'm on Facebook and you know these sponsored posts that are so clickbait? Yep. And I'm just like, okay, this one's about third culture kids. We love so. clickbait. It's the Tempest. <laughs> so I click on it, I read it, and I'm just like, wait, I've never read an article that's so raw and I've never read a piece where I resonated with it so much. So I go on to the website. What was I, the piece? It was about third culture kids. Yeah. And, and it, it was about not feeling like you're, and especially if you're a golf kid, I think this is mm. a feeling that resonates with yep. most, if not all of us, is that, you know, um, the the country that you're from isn't really your home because you were born and raised in another country, but you're not local and you're not really. So because I'm a Pakistani, but my family's been in Saudi for three generations now. Right. So Saudi's the only home I've known, but I'm a Pakistani. And so anywhere outside of Saudi, um, if if I tell people I'm a Pakistani, they ask me questions about Pakistan. And it's like, I don't really know much. I've been to one city and that's the only city like that's all I know about. Like, there's other stuff. If you ask me questions, I actually will not know. But if you ask me about Saudi, there's a lot that I know because that's legit home, right? And now Dubai is home to me. But um, so that I, I read that piece and I, I just loved it. And then I read other pieces. They were about family, culture, a lot of women feeling like and a lot of pieces at that time were actually about the Gulf region as well. Women were writing from different parts of the mm -hmm. region here. And I and I just felt like these are different women who are writing these pieces, but I feel like it could have been me because their story resonates with me so much. And so I went on and I emailed them being like, hey, I love your content. And I read, I like binged for hours on, on the website. I'm like, can I join as a guest contributor? I have a couple of pitches. And so I sent on a couple of articles and I ended up applying for the editorial fellowship. This is when I was working with two other startups, but this was just something I was doing on the side. She was I, a really big underachiever. <laughs> She's in college. Yeah. Working for two startups. Well, Starts you know, writing for us, becomes a fellow. Alongside you, that's not surprising at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's literally how I joined the Tempest. And then I would just pitch pieces to Leila and just be like, hey, Leila, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And just kind of um, just go on and do it. Yeah. That was literally it. And then uh, at the time, you know, I didn't have a co-founder. And, you know, if you run a startup, you, you don't always need a co-founder. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it is. it does give you a modicum of some sanity um, because, you know, you're not really supposed to freak out on your team if you're having a meltdown. Um, and so there's just something uh, about Michelle because, you know, a lot of people, um, how do I put this? If you're given a task, you'll just do it. That's great. And and I'm all for it. As long as, you, you know, you complete your task. I tell fellows all the time, you can get the most out of this if you just complete your tasks, but you can do more. If you want to do more, That that's going to give you so many more opportunities. And so Michelle wasn't shy <laughs> about saying, hey, you know, why don't we start a tech channel? And so channels meeting section. So that's how we started our now and then um, channel. She became uh, an editor. And one day we were just um, talking to each other on Snapchat because that's what uh, my generation and Gen Z does. This was like 7 a.m. my time. We're just Snapchatting each other. Yeah, I was in a cafe and I was uh, sitting next to my husband and he was just like, what's wrong with you? Because then a second later, I just I told him, I was like, wait, I think I'm going to ask her to be my co-founder. 
And he was like, are you sure? <laughs> it's a little weird to do over Snapchat. So I was like, hey, uh, I turned on Snapchat video. <laughs> because <laughs> instead of writing text, why not do it over video with really bad and connection? And you're like, come on Skype. At that time, Skype was not blocked, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> throwback. It all just happened <laughs> yeah, on just, Skype and Snap. That's I, it. I asked her, yeah, I said, you know, I I said, what do you see your future with The Tempest looking like? And she kind of was just like, oh, you know, maybe as an editor. And I was just like, what about if I asked you to come on as co-founder? And her face just kind of was like, what? Why? <laughs> what are you talking about? Because you were a college senior. I was a senior and I was going to join. So I had job offers from two of the startups. And then I was, I have a computing security background. So I was ready for like a corporate job in security, just, you know, as a, as a pen tester. Six figures, you know, <laughs> that kind of job. But well, that's just, you know, it's extraordinary to see that it just organically just happened just like that. Um, and so now we're going to come back in just a moment, talk about how the two of you, um, you know, grew this incredible platform, um, what it's become now, uh, but as well along the way, the challenges that both of you faced in making it all happen. And as well for you, Michelle, uh, having the trouble with the whole idea of being a co-founder and not being able to even own the idea imposter syndrome there's a lot to talk about here it's a, a conversation that we would love for you to be part of on life beats on pulse 95 this is pulse 95 you're listening to the life beats podcast life beats, life beats. with sally musa only on pulse 95 95 was it, it? What does it take to create a global media platform? Well, two women in the studio right here, right now, Leila Lawa and Mashal Waqar, know exactly what it takes. Uh, they are the founder and the co-founder of The Tempest. And um, we, we just started talking about um, creating The Tempest. This was back in 2016, not that long ago, which is incredible. Um, but it's done so much in such a, a short amount of time, which is amazing. Why do you think, I mean, Michelle, for you, um, you know, you first discovered the site and you were like, um, I, I, I resonate with everything that is on here. Um, and it was something uh, that really struck a nerve with you. Why do you think, it's not just you, millions around the world uh, feel the same way? It's... It's a bunch of different things, I think, and it's the three points that Leila just mentioned, community, identity, and belonging, right? Um, growing up, I did not, every time I'd watch shows or movies, I never thought someone who looked like me, and this is something that Leila's often mentioned, right? Mm. When when you say diversity, it sounds like a buzzword, but at the same time, when you don't grow up listening, reading, or watching people who look like you, who sound like you, who have similar backstories, um, your, your version of what you're supposed to watch or consume in terms of content changes yeah so even when it came to lead actresses that i would expect in, in movies and shows the standard was very different than what it is now and so i think one of the reasons why people keep coming back is because they feel like they're part of something a lot bigger and because they do feel like they belong because these stories i might be writing it but there are so many other women around the world who are actually it's also their story they're yeah. just not the ones writing it but they deeply resonate with it so much and so there's all these different topics and there's something for everyone there whether you want to talk about culture, whether you want to talk about finances, whether you want to talk about um, career, there's something for everyone. Whether it's about, you know, not knowing how to handle your finances or learning to not be a perfectionist. Like whatever it is, it's raw and it's it's out there. And it's not 
we're not afraid to pull back the curtain and just be like, okay, this is what it is. We're not, there's, it's not fluff stuff. And that's, that's what I love. Um, and I think that's what a lot of other women, and, and it's, it's, you know, not to be biased, but the Tempest is still my favorite <laughs> platform. I will go to the homepage every Thank single God. day and I read <laughs> articles and I, it still amazes me that all these women from different parts of the world that are sharing their story, they choose to share their story with us. They choose to share their experiences. And, and it, it's very humbling every single day to read these, these, these articles that all these women are pitching that are sharing. And then, you know, reading them is just, it, it's different. I don't know how else to put it. And of course, uh, you know, you talk about the struggles of family. You talk about the struggles of work. You talk about, you know, lots of different issues. Accessibility is a really important mm-hmm. one as well. Um, do you know, I was asking you as well, because on your Instagram, you you write a description of the actual image that you post up on Instagram. We yep. all know that Instagram is, a, you know, a visual platform, but you actually write down what's going on in the image. And it's like, uh, it didn't hit me straight away, but you do that for accessibility reasons. Can you explain that for us? Of course. So there's 1.3 billion people with disabilities in the world and online content is not accessible to them. Contrary to what a lot of people think, there's a huge community of blind users on Instagram. And so the reason I post image description is so that the, the, the image is consumable. They can understand what's happening in the image if they're using Instagram. And I do have a lot of friends from the blind community um, who who are able to understand what's going on in the image, you know, just because of the descriptions. And it's not just something that I do now um, because of our pivot to accessibility. You know, Leila does it. A lot of our team members do it. Our editors, our exec team, with all our content at The Tempest, we do this for every single post on our articles, on our um, Instagram and on our socials. Like this is very important because at the end of the day, it's a basic human right to be able to consume content. Yeah. Yeah, and and something that most of us take for granted. Exactly. Who are not part of that community who mm-hmm. need that, which is so important. But let's, let, let's talk about you and, uh, you know, your struggles in um, making The Tempest what it is right now, the way that it's growing. Leila, for you, um, pushback. What was that like? Tell us. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sigh. She's like, oh, the stories I can tell yeah, you. I mean... I had to only write down two. Um, okay. So, you know, I... How do I put this? I'm the type of person that when I was 12, I had read about the World Fair that used to take place in Chicago in the 1800s and 1900s. I mean, it was in the, across the world. So I put together a World Fair in my garage. Uh, nobody came because we didn't advertise it anywhere. Um, I thought people would come. So anyway, so when when I launched The Tempest initially, um, there was a lot of pushback. People uh, didn't understand what the point was of having women share their stories. And even women would say things like, I mean, and this is still a very common thing that we hear and that I hear, um, well, I don't have anything special to share. You know, my life is so boring. Um, There's nothing interesting about my life. And the interesting thing is you're the only person that was born with your genetic makeup in this world that had the the experiences that you had um, and and you're living the life that you live now. So obviously your life is not that boring uh, and there are things that you can talk about, but it comes as a result of, like Michelle said, not seeing yourself, not understanding or really subconsciously recognizing just how interesting you are as a human being and just how interesting your stories are. Uh, and when it comes to pushback, I actually welcome that. It's uh, it's kind of, rejection is a, how do I put this? When, you, 
shout out to my parents and to being <laughs> homeschooled because, you know, one example is uh, I was in high school and my mom was like, you're not ever going to go to a good college. So I went upstairs and, you know, I had been really doing poorly on my uh, exams. And so I went, I set, I set a goal and I got into my dream college. So when it comes to pushback, Whoa. I welcome it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of them is we had uh, a possible advisor coming on and I had met with him several times. And in this second meeting, uh, we were discussing the, the future of the Tempest. Um, and at the time, our channels weren't as diversified as they are now, right? Uh, and he decided to call us Cosmopolitan for young women. Uh, and I just smiled and sat there. And then he, and, uh, then he said, well, what makes you so special? And I brought up the fact that you, you can't find what we're discussing anywhere else. You, you literally can't. Um, that's why we've actually had acquisition offers from very large media companies in the United States. Um, and so he said, well, I can take $20,000 and take you down uh, by making a competitor. And I told him, you know, bring it on. Obviously, he is not an advisor for us. <laughs> that was the last meeting we had. Uh, and another person was actually a former friend of mine uh, who's also a founder. And she is also in the media space. But somehow that, you know, collaborative quality that I think is so important, especially for female founders or just women generally, wasn't mm. present. Mm -hmm. um, and so... She stalked me to a cafe that I was at uh, and was essentially yelling at me for 15 minutes to try and get me to shut down the Tempest. And um, what? Yeah, she she didn't like the fact that we reached in part Muslim women. We I mean, we reached women of all backgrounds and, um, you know, understanding understandings. And and actually, we do have a significant male audience who. Uh, enjoy reading the site even though they don't want to admit it um, our data shows that but <laughs> she she just couldn't uh, understand the idea of competition and business and how we can collaborate so you know obviously I shut the I'm kidding I didn't shut the tempest down um, <laughs> our friendship didn't go very well after that but it, it was it was a really interesting lesson in terms of just you know these are two stories and they're actually pretty superficial I could get into more um, dramatic stories. Let's but... get into more. Let's get into more uh, <laughs> after this. We're going to go to a short break and come back and, and talk about more of those struggles, how to overcome them, uh, imposter syndrome as well. Um, there's so much to discuss with these amazing ladies, Leila and Mash'al are here. If you've got a question for them, send it through. Uh, we are on Instagram Live and you can do it on 4215 on Itisala2022 on Do It. Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Talking media, talking diversity, talking accessibility, and talking the struggles of 
founders and entrepreneurs here with Leila Lawa, the CEO and founder of The Tempest. And uh, uh, Masha Waqar is also here. She is the COO and co-founder as well. And the best friend of Pulse95. And the best friend of Pulse95. You're getting there. We're warming up to you, Leila. <laughs> We're almost, you're almost a bestie. Um, almost a BFF. Um, <laughs> but something that we started talking about is um, the fact that when you were approached, Mashal, about becoming a uh, co-founder, it was really difficult for you to kind of own that title and to go with it. Even though you you are an ambitious person, you have big ambitions, but that was really difficult. Why? You know, it was interesting. I didn't even realize that. I didn't even realize it, honestly. I, I was having a conversation with a mentor of mine and she stops me halfway through and she's like, Michelle, why do you keep referring to Leila as your boss? Y- aren't you a co-founder? And every time I'd mention Leila, I'd just say, oh yeah, my boss, my boss, my boss. And that's, that's, I'd keep saying it over and over every conversation I had, whether it was clients, whether it was my friends, I would keep calling her my boss. And then, um, I just subconsciously, I just built it up where it was just like, okay, this is Leila's company. And I just couldn't take ownership of it. And I, I don't know, it took me time to work on it myself and realize, okay, I've, I've contributed to growth. I'm doing a lot for the company and I have been giving, this is my life essentially. Like the Tempest had become my life. Mm. This is also where day and night, there were no boundaries. There was nothing. It was just work. <laughs> there really weren't. There, there weren't. <laughs> um, and I'm saying thing. like, so this was my, fi- so the, this was my final semester in college, right? I had taken an overload. I was taking seven courses. Um, because I was doing two minors. And so like I had to take seven to graduate on time. And then, um, in addition to that, I was supposed to be working part-time with the Tempest, but really it was full-time work. And um, I'm saying like 3 a.m. we're going to have team meetings. And yeah, I would, I would be, be yelling up. at her, but she didn't. She no, was, no, 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 like, no, 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 no. They weren't you, yelling. No, I said I hired you part-time. You're doing this full-time. And you're just like, no worries. I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were no boundaries there. And so yeah. like it would just be working full-time, doing everything I could, but at the same time, I couldn't take ownership of that fact. And even when I registered the company here and we brought it to the Middle East, it was, I couldn't call in my own for some reason. And it took me work to realize, okay, I have to start taking ownership. And I need, like, this was something, and I, and I don't know if other co-founders have faced this, but this was a struggle. Um, and I had no guide. All I saw was there weren't, I didn't see younger entrepreneurs my mm-hmm. age or anyone who right off the bat from college had just joined a startup at this stage and was doing all the things I was doing. So there was a lot of things I had to become comfortable with. And calling myself a co-founder proudly, being like, hey, I mean, at that time I was a CTO, okay, so I was in tech, but I was doing a lot of non-tech stuff as well. A lot of it was non-tech work. And that's also initially, like, that was a conversation and a gradual change where I realized my own strengths and weaknesses. And I realized operations is what I want to be. And it is what I'm doing. So, you know, there needs to be a slight change in the title based on the work that I'm doing. And so that was a process of its own was going from calling her my boss to calling her, you know, I'm a co-founder and I am the COO. And, you know, this, there's there's taking ownership of, of who you are and and how much the company means to you. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that, that was a process of its own. And how much you're invested, you know, not just physically, but yeah. emotionally as well, um, which brings us on to the whole idea of burnout. Because when you work on something that is your absolute passion, uh, that you believe in a thousand percent, that you, you know, you weren't just doing your uh, assigned tasks, um, your job, you were putting your hand up for whatever you could help with. Um, how, how, tell us about that story of how that happened. It was, you know, it was just, I wanted the company to grow however it could, whatever I could help out with, right? 
and it that wasn't healthy i thought any minute i don't spend working on the tempest i i would start i would feel really guilty about it mm. and and then any content piece any video i watched any article is all about this is the hustle it's 24/7 you got to give this your everything and so i kind of got sucked into it where i was legit burning out at a point and this was earlier this year where all i would do was work 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 that was it my friends everything else was like nothing the tempest was priority for me and that was it and to me priority meant no matter what time it is no matter what i'm doing if it's work if it's related to the tempest i'm going to leave everything aside and i'm and, and i would legit be hanging out with my friends step out for a call uh, related to work then come back or you know in the middle of like i'm sitting i'm having lunch with you but i'm actually whatsapping and talking to my team and it became very unhealthy for me it became so unhealthy it started taking a mental toll and i was burning out because i started you slowly transition from feeling guilty to feeling like this is all that there is that's how i think it starts taking over your life and so i i i burnt out i i would have breakdowns i didn't know what to do everything was just overwhelming even small things would feel taxing and it just it became too much for me at a point and i just i remember waking up and feeling like oh like this is just another it's just the same schedule on repeat and it's this is you know i stopped looking forward to waking up and being like okay let's get this done it was like there was so much to be done and i don't even know where it ends and so that was that yeah that was not healthy at all. Do you know, um, we actually, we've got a, a text in from Hani saying, um, I'm a startup uh, founder as well. Uh, I'm relating to this, the idea of burnout, but we need to build our businesses um, mm-hmm. uh, and to make sure that they're successful. So how do you find that balance? He's asking, like, what did you do? I'll tell you what I did. I started keeping boundaries. No work, texts, emails or calls after a certain time, right? It started off Initially, it was no matter what time it is, okay, I'm, I'm available. But now, past 8 p.m., I will not answer anything. And 6 to 7 p.m. is where this is my cutoff time in terms of no major tasks anymore. I am going to stop. And so I started prioritizing and scheduling in hours for my hobbies. Just thing, not not even stuff related to my friends. Like, I love reading. I love singing. I love painting. And, and reading is something that I just, I absolutely love it. And writing as well, right? So... I schedule in time first for my hobbies, for my interests and things I really enjoy. Um, and I like taking videos. So that was something I started doing more. I ske- started scheduling and prioritizing my time with my friends and family. So Friday is a, it's, it's a family day. I'm not going to, unless it's absolutely urgent, I'm not going to work on stuff on Fridays. Um, my time with my friends is important. I'm going to, I need to have that. And that is priority to me now. So when i started focusing on myself on on my mental health and on my you know just taking time out just for me everything started changing my work started getting better my schedule everything and and i stopped feeling overwhelmed and i realized unless you feel your happiest and your best how can you give anything your best and i think that's extremely important is maintaining that balance because we get so sucked into the hustle or you know not wanting to take a break but i think you have to prioritize yourself um you need to maintain these boundaries and you need to stop because you owe this to yourself and you owe this to your startup and to you 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 legit do it's a responsibility if you think that working 24 7 is going to get you to places you got to start right there you got to cut off at a certain time and then you got to get back to it take time out for yourself because unless you do that believe me you are not going to be at your absolute best mm. It's, do you know what? It's a problem that I think a lot of um, founders, uh, not just mm-hmm. founders, but, you know, those who have businesses, those who are entrepreneurs yeah. uh, go through a lot because you don't want to see it fail. It's on you. And, uh, yeah. and another thing I think which really helps is have friends, not just from the startup community, from different circles and different, completely different backgrounds. That helped me a lot because a lot of my friends 
um, especially from the creative side, right? Or who were in completely different industries would just be like, they have such a different mindset. And so that really helped me was consciously making sure that I'm, you know, I have friends from different circles because if I would just hang around with folks from the startup community, all we'd be talking about is revenue, user growth, fundraising, <laughs> and uh, exactly. investment. And yes. enough of that. You know, yes, there's a time and place. And yes, you. Sh- I'm not saying isolate yourself, but don't don't be in a bubble. <laughs> don't live in a bubble because the rest of the world is not like this. As important as that is, actually, there are much bigger things to worry about. So, uh, D, uh, hello to you. Good morning. Uh, Maria has texted in saying, Sabah al-Khair, I'm a supervisor looking over three big stores. It's a challenge 24-7. It becomes a lifestyle, always being available, exhausting. Uh, Majdi says, well said. Big thumbs up from him as well. Um, it's so, so important. Um, Leila, you're, you're feeling on this because I know that you're super passionate um, and you put yourself in to things like a thousand percent too. Yeah, I also have ADHD. Yes. So <laughs> when you have that, then you become hyper-focused yeah. and cannot put anything else aside. I'll note that I'm not at the point where Michelle is, where she sticks to her schedule of hobbies i like I, the, the the honesty yes I'm, yeah God, i'm gonna be straight up i mean growing up we didn't have summer vacation because my mom said um i love my mom she said uh you have time now find something to do she, she didn't like us not doing something so mm. I, I feel like i always have to do something but you know it, there is that glamorization i mean when you look at people like elon musk and uh his quotes about working 100 hours a week if you want to get somewhere the reality is, is like Michelle said, you're not actually going to get anywhere. And um, I actually make it a point to sleep at least eight to ten hours. Well, not at least <laughs> to sleep eight to ten hours a day um, or a night. And, you know, the the question of, well, how how are you going to get any work done um, because you're sleeping comes up. But the reality is, if you're not sleeping, how are your neurons and how are your neural pathways actually going to make the connections that you need? in order for you to innovate and also maintain that growth that you want your business to go on. And then another thing is, is that successful CEOs, successful founders, um, successful entrepreneurs and people in general, they actually will set a day off every week that's untouchable, like Michelle does Fridays. Um, And I actually have in my calendar that I'm supposed to take Wednesdays off and not do anything. And it's literally just a day for thought. And I found Right now, since I'm not able to do that one day, um, Saturdays have started becoming that day because having a spouse who really wants to spend time not doing stuff yeah. is great. <laughs> that's a like that's the ultimate form of accountability is mm. having someone you have to live with. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But, you know, even just I found that my most creative moments are times where I step away from my work and suddenly I ideas just start flooding. And and that's something that I think we forget is if you're constantly working and also that whole be you know bs of you have to be working from the moment you get up to the moment you sleep with four hours of sleep and work 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 here's the thing you can be working that entire time but how much of that are you actually working how much the reality is is humans only have capacity for six hours of real work in the day you can't focus beyond that yeah Yeah, i mean you're checking facebook you're on your phone whatever it is and so be honest with yourself. I mean, you're in the bathroom for a significant <laughs> portion of time in the day. So don't say that that's work. Yeah. Give yourself a break. Yeah. Um, you know, just let yourself 
do something else, even if it's yeah. work. Yeah. But, you know, writing a card or something, you can just pretend it's And work. have your switch off time. I think that's important, yeah. right? So that's I think it. Really knows this Cut off. Been... You're done. Yeah. <laughs> just been noticing my morning routine where I will read and I, you know, I take some time out to read. I'm going to write a little bit of, I'll write sometimes. But um, that's really important. And have it's okay to have time where you're doing nothing at all. Just still working on out. that. Do nothing at all. It's actually really important. That is work. That is work. That's work for your body to restore itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the last thing that that we need to talk about is, you know, attitudes from people about the two of you leading this company, you know, leading this platform. It's global. It's big. It wants to go places um, and, and kind of facing the whole idea of, uh, you know, from parents, uh, from other people saying, well, is this really for you? Mm-hmm. Do you really think this is the best, you know, path for you? Like, what what was that like? Tell tell me about the that kind of story. You know, the when this was from a well intentioned mentor or coach, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, this person who's like, you know what, you're never going to succeed in media here, and I'm like, and Lena was next to me. That <laughs> wait, wait. Um, oh, okay. Okay. All so, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, you know, we're sitting there, and then this person's like, you're never going to succeed here in the media because. Uh, you're a Pakistani young woman and I'm just looking at him and I'm Whoa. just like yeah. it was well intentioned advice I just looked at him and I I was like <laughs> okay <laughs> how do you respond to that also I think it's kind of like you know when Oprah was told you need to change your name and you need to look different in order to be successful on yeah. television so it's, it's also like when I'd walk into meetings and they expect someone else um, they read my name and they're expecting I've, I've actually man. heard this yeah they, they're like you know we thought I was going to be an Arab man and I'm just like oh hi <laughs> yeah. it's me I'm not his assistant it's me so, I'm the co-founder or or what's funny sometimes is that events you know they're just going to be like talking to me in a dismissive tone wow and then i step mm-hmm. up on stage in a few minutes and then right after they're like we're so sorry we didn't realize who you were and it's like you don't need to realize who i am yep. to, to take me seriously you need to have respect yeah. yes i i second that entirely i mean i'm i live in the u.s so um and and i cover or wear a headscarf wear hijab yeah i'm in the middle east so i can say hijab and people understand what yeah. i'm saying <laughs> so you know that reality of going to networking events or just going to events in general and having people automatically attach stereotypes uh, that I'm going to be demure or um, that I don't really have much uh, free will. Uh, You know, I go home and I'm beaten or or something. I've actually been told that. Um, And I I too will go and meet with folks who um, I'm interested in having invest in us uh, or just in, interested in having them advise us. And they'll tell me, well, you know, there's no reason for your media company to even exist. Like you, you should, you know, I had one woman after I told her about my vision for The Tempest, she said, well, I don't think that you should be running a startup right now. I think you should be working in a media company from the ground up. And I said, well, I actually, you know, my thing is I flourish best when I don't know the rules. Um, I don't think, and anyways, I'm never going to be able to follow the rules because I'm not what Americans think an American should look like, even You're though used I am to American. It. You're yeah. used to just con- completely breaking any kind of idea 
stereotype, any kind of Sometimes restriction. Sometimes to my detriment. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. absolutely not. We've actually run out of time, yeah. ladies. It's a, an incredible conversation, one that I think we have to continue mm-hmm. um, again uh, here on Life Beats. I think we've learned so much. You, th- you've struck a nerve as well uh, here online as well. Thank you to everybody who joined the conversation on uh, Pulse95 Radio on Instagram as well and all of your text messages. Coming up next, get ready for more than a week of nonstop food fun and music at the E88 Market Festival. We've got all of the details next on Life Beats. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.